Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing. These friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Friends and Fiction, five best-selling novelists, endless stories. We are five writers and friends whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores binds us together. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'll be your host tonight, and my latest novel is Feels Like Falling. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry, and my latest novel is Becoming Mrs. Lewis. I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my latest novel is On Ocean Boulevard. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and my latest is Hello Summer. I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest is The Book of Lost Names. And as you can see, we have an incredible guest tonight. We are so thrilled to welcome number one New York Times bestselling author Ellen Hildebrand to talk about her fabulous new book, 28 Summers. If you haven't read it, you are missing out, let me tell you. Welcome. Welcome, Ellen. Hi. We're so excited to have you. Ellen, I have to I have to tell this story, which I hope Ellen doesn't remember, and I don't know why I'm dredging back up, but um, Ellen was one of my first, like, rock star idol authors that I ever met um, after becoming an author for the very first time myself. I was at my first book expo in New York, and Jennifer Weiner had a party, and I felt like I was going to get there, and they were going to say... Yeah you're not on the guest list. What are you talking about? Are you kidding? And I walked in and the first person that I saw was Ellen and she was so nice. And I introduced myself and I was like, I'm a big fan and I'm a writer. And she was like, Oh, I want to read your book. And I literally said, and I quote, Oh no, no, Ellen Hildebrand, you cannot read my little book. (laughs) And I called you Ellen Hildebrand too. And you had on this cute little Pink, ground. Um, but she was so nice and um, very graciously blurbed my second novel, Lives and Other Acts of Love. And I have been an even bigger fan ever since. Um, and I sent her a picnic basket to tell her thank you because she had written an article yes. about picnics. I still have it. I was like, I remember sending it and thinking, she's either going to think this is really weird or she's going to like it. <laughs> um, Ellen is an author that really needs no introduction. But if by some chance you're new to her, she spent her first summer on Nantucket Island in 1993 and has lived there year round for 26 years. She's a mother of three, an enthusiastic at-home cook, 
an amazing athlete, as we were just talking about, and a six-year breast cancer survivor. 28 Summers is her 25th novel. The other authors and I have tons of questions for Ellen, but if you have a question for her, post it during the chat on our Friends in Fiction Facebook page. We will be pulling a few live questions shortly, so get them going. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you about the reason that we all started here to begin with, which is our love of independent bookstores. As you all know, all of us at Friends in Fiction are passionate supporters of independent booksellers. Each week, we highlight one indie, and tonight, Ellen chose to support the Brewster Bookshop, who is offering a discount on all our new releases. And they are such rock stars that they have placed helpful links on their site to all of our backlist titles and Ellen's backlist as well, and are offering a discount on those too. So if you were gonna buy any of our books, tonight is the night. The link to the bookstore is posted on the Friends and Fiction Facebook page and um, we'll post it again after this. So Ellen, welcome. Um, How have you been doing during this crazy time? So this might be an unpopular opinion, but I have really enjoyed quarantining. Um, Back in March, I I left. So I spend five weeks normally in the Caribbean on a sort of a self-fashioned writer's retreat. I do this every year. I have a series that's set in St. John and I rent a villa in St. John and I normally go down and I write. So I get down there on the 11th of March and uh, and everything starts to happen very quickly, as you remember. Yeah. And I ended up staying an extra, I ended up staying an extra two weeks. But the thing was, is that there was no longer because a lot of times in St. John, you know, I go out and there's a lot of rum punch, and my time is not probably maximum productivity. But it was this past year because there, you know nothing was open at some point during my stay it was the week before Easter, they closed the beaches and they closed the hike trails. And so I was very fortunate and had a pool at my villa. So I just hung at the villa. I did nothing but write. I was extremely productive. And then when I got home to Nantucket, I mean, the summer here, and I'm sure you guys have this as well in your sort of summer homes, it's busy. And in a regular year, it's cocktail parties and and benefits and the summer people are here and they're friends you only see once a year and you have to go out to dinner. And it gets very, very busy for me. And it's hard to balance, you know, a social life and try and write my novel, which is due on November 1st. So, and this year it's been quieter and that has been really good for me as well. Um, So I have to say that from a productivity standpoint, the pandemic has been excellent for my work. Well, that's, I have to tell you too that um, I live in Beaufort, North Carolina. So similar, you know, you you have the the summer people that come in, and you're, and um, I felt like in 28 summers when you're talking about sort of mourning the end of summer, like I do that. I just mourn the end of summer, like every year. Like I'm at the point right now where school's starting in two weeks, and I'm just, oh, I just want to like hold on to it and bring it back in. So that just that really really resonated with me. Um, But friends and fiction ladies, and everybody, if you were here last week, or if you subscribe to our snazzy new friends and fiction newsletter, um, you might know that I was at camp last week for family camp. We sailed and fished and boated and ziplined and sang camp songs and all these fun things. It was a little strange because everyone was wearing masks and social distanced and, but it was sort of a little spot of normalcy. And that was just absolute heaven for me. So I wanted to know 
um, what are your spots of normalcy? Like, what are the things in your day that you're like, okay, this was something that I did pre-COVID? Oh, Patty, boy. do you want to go? I feel like we all work by ourselves, right? So like the work from home, like, whereas that's very unusual. I think for many people, they're working from home. They're not having any direct interaction with their coworkers. That is my normal. So... One thing I haven't been doing is I have not been going to the beach. So, and that's really more a function of the fact that my oldest son totaled my beach Jeep. And so I don't really, I, I only have my kids, but I'm not taking it to the beach. Um, but also there are a lot more people at the beach. I did build a pool out in my backyard. So I, when I get home from my exercising, I take my notebook and, and a novel because I always read as part of my work day and I go out to my pool and I sit quietly. And for me, it is just, somebody asked me about my perfect day and I'm like, I live my perfect day every day in the summer because I have my routine and it, it cannot be improved upon. It is, it is just perfect. And I am by myself and that is, that is how it has to be. So. That's a staycation. That is a staycation. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So Mary Alice, what about you? Anything, any normalcy? Well, it, you know, last week I ducked out a little early and the only normalcy, and it wasn't normal at all, but you know, we had, I saw my daughter and she, it wasn't a wedding. She just signed her papers and it took a couple pictures, but for a moment it, I forgot about COVID and there were so few of us, we did not have to wear masks because we're in our own pod. And it was just so joyful to sort of not think about having mm -hmm. to wear a mask and to worry about everything because we were family and we were celebrating. And it was, it was so wonderful. And, you know, it, I realized how many people had to cancel weddings this year. So many. And even signing the papers is a big deal. You know, it's like, okay, we can celebrate that union. It was great. For sure. And I'm sorry I ducked out on y'all last week, but I had that champagne to drink. It was just sitting there. <laughs> that was a good reason to duck out. If that was pretty much the best reason in the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so good Kristen, what about you? Normalcy. What, what is that even? <laughs> um, it, it's funny. We've established new routines. I would say the biggest uh, carryover from the old days was we still play Paw Patrol every day, which is... <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm just not even going to go down the path of what it feels like to play Paw Patrol every day. But, um, but you know, we've established new routines. So now Noah and I go for a walk every morning. My son Noah and I go for a walk. I pull him twice around the block in the wagon, and then he gets an apple, and I get my iced coffee, and we walk once more around the block. So that's it was not a normal from our old days, but it has become a new normal, and I think it's a normal like that. that's here to stay because it's kind of a nice little routine that he and I have. It's so cute. I love that. Mary Kay, what about you? You know, uh, the thing that we have not let up on is Sunday dinner with the family. Um, um, my grandparents did that when I was a little kid and our daughter and son-in-law and two grandkids live around the corner here. We live in a small town. If my son's around, he's here and we cook dinner and my grandkids set the table. Um, we always do, we don't do the fine china and all that, but we always do, you know, cloth napkins and maybe pick some flowers out of the garden and it's a special dinner and um, lots of times I'll make a dessert. So, and that I think helps mm -hmm. us remember this, you know, this, what's important, the thing that we can cling to in these times is family. Mm 
And I feel really fortunate to have them close by. And when my son is in town and his girlfriend and her kids, that is, um, that brings me happiness and normalcy and seeing their faces around the table and, you know, lighting candles. And um, that to me says this, this part of life we can hold on to for now. I love that. Patty, what about you? You know, the, we were talking about this a little bit before we came on, but one of the most heartbreaking things about this time is, you know, of course, you know, the elderly not being able to see or, or being sick alone. But one of the biggest heartbreaks has been not being able to see the people you love in your family because they're too far away and you can't fly or travel. So for almost eight months, I didn't see my daughter and granddaughter. And I have spent the past almost month now two and a half weeks with them in the Pacific Northwest. And then I made them come home with me. So they have been with me for the past 10 days. And although that means I haven't slept much, it has brought back this kind of sense of, although things aren't going to be the same, they're never going to be the same. They are, we are going to find new ways. And it, it kind of grounded me back to, I felt panicky when I couldn't see them. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah. bizarre when you can't. Yeah, you did. Yeah, it feels weird when you can't get to your your daughter yeah. or granddaughter. So that was my little sense of normalcy the past couple of weeks that kind of grounded me. And of course, the work and the show and and our doing our sprints. Those and and you're right, Kristen. Sometimes we just make new routines, and those ground us back into like a new normal. So well, our sprints is a new routine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. new normal. New normal. Yeah. yeah. So before we dive into our questions for Ellen, Kristen has um, a special other guest to announce tonight. Yeah, so um, we think, we hope <laughs> that we're yeah. also streaming live on Books and, on Facebook, which is a large Facebook group. Um, the folks at Facebook have been so nice and so supportive of what we're doing here. And you know, we said this last week too, but we wouldn't have this platform without Facebook. So we're excited about that. And if you're here tonight watching on Books on Facebook or watching later in the week, um, we do hope you'll consider joining Friends in Fiction. It's just a great community for readers. We do this every week and there's lots of interaction that goes on on the page. So welcome if you're joining us through books on Facebook. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. So Ellen, before we dive into our questions, can you please tell us a little bit about your beautiful new book, 28 Summers? Number one. Yeah. Yeah. So 28 Summers is basically a reimagining of everybody's favorites, old time. I would say old time. It was made in 1978. The classic movie same time next year yeah and I watched the movie a couple of years ago and I can re- I remember watching it as a kid and really and really loving it and then I watched it a couple of years ago and I thought this is really bare bones it because it was written as a play so if you watch the movie they never say like where they live or really they don't go into detail about their lives outside of that hotel room. And I thought, you know, this is really rich material for a novel. So I decided, okay, I'm going to bring same time next year to Nantucket. I'm going to have this couple meet in the summer of 1993. And then they're going to continue to meet every Labor Day weekend, no matter what for 28 summers. And as you know, in the first chapter, you learned that our, our protagonist Mallory is dying. She has, um, melanoma that's metastasized to her brain and she has a son named link 
who goes to the University of South Carolina. And, uh, you know, he has to deal with the fact that his beloved mother is dying and he finds an envelope in her drawer that has this phone number in it. And she asks him to call the phone number. And it turns out it's somebody, it's, it's Jake McLeod, whose wife is running for president. And he can't really figure out why he's calling this person. But Jake says, I will, I'll be there if she's dying, I'm coming. And then we go back to the beginning and learn how Jake wow. and Mallory met and their big, enormous lot, you know, it goes into their lives and their, their family's lives. And their, it's a whole big, enormous sort of world that I created around the premise of same time next year. And I, I said this earlier just to you, but you can see I'm, I'm right here. So like I'm almost <laughs> done. And I, I, I knew I was going to finish last night because I was like, oh, I should get to bed at 11. And then I was like, I'm not going to, I'm going to finish the book. Like, let's just be honest with yourself. You're finishing the book. And I got about to, I'm on page 390 and I literally went like this. And I was like, I'm not emotionally ready for what's coming. And I'm just going to save it for a time when I feel a little more prepared to handle all of the things that I'm going to make up to run. So, uh, but it is, oh, it's so good, Ellen. I think it's my favorite book of yours, which is, I I just, I absolutely love it. Um, All right, Patty, do you have a question for Ellen? So we ask all of our guests this one question, and I love this question. And in some of the other Zooms I've been doing where I'm moderating, I've even been asking other authors this, because I think it's so fascinating to understand how we became writers and how we got to where we are. So how was reading and writing valued in your home growing up? Do you think it had anything to do with you being a writer at all now? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The story I tell is that when I was in the second grade, uh, at the end of the year, my teacher gave everybody in my class an award and my award was the top author award. And my mother was a teacher. Yeah. My mother was a teacher in the district and for many, many years. And so she has, and then she became, um, the language arts coordinator and she then became assistant superintendent of my district. Um, she stayed in touch with all of my elementary school teachers. And I tell you, every single one of my teachers has come to at least one of my events and some have come oh, to more. No way. In Pennsylvania. Oh, in, so in 2019, when the summer of 69 came out, uh, I was at an event at, for um, the Town Book Center in Collegeville, which is the town I grew up in. And my second grade teacher who gave me that award was in the front row and I got up in front of the microphone and I said, maybe you saw like talent in a seven year old (laughs) or maybe because you called me an author, I became an author. Yeah. And the power of teachers, there were always books in my house. My, my father died when I was in high school but the summer before he died, he was an attorney in downtown Philadelphia. And I went and I worked in his office. And I remember he was taking me out for lunch and we were in the elevator and someone else in his firm said, oh, is she going to be a lawyer when she grows up? And he's like, oh no, she's way too talented to be a lawyer. She's going to be a novelist. She's going to be a writer. And uh, that's amazing. I love that. Great. Yeah. See, I just feel like it shows so much. So I grew up in Philadelphia too. And my report card said, books are very important to Patty. That's kindergarten. <laughs> books are, yeah. I must have just like been carrying them around like a teddy bear or something. But 
I still do that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mary Kay, do you have a question for Alan? I do, Alan. You know, your summer books are usually set on Nantucket, an island where everybody thinks they know everything <laughs> and where you actually live. And, you know, yes. I live in a very small town where everybody thinks they know everything. <laughs> you ever feel self-conscious about setting a book so close to home? Oh, God, no. No, I love it. I love it. And the thing is, is I think maybe when I started, so this is my 25th book. And so there was, de and it's been 20 years. So there's definitely been an evolution. And I remember like when the Beach Club came out, so my first novel, I mean, we're really dishing here. The, my first novel, The Beach Club, was based at the Cliffside Beach Club, which was where my husband at that time worked. And he'd worked there for 10 or 11 years by the time I wrote the book. And I was really immersed in the world of the beach club. And so when I wrote the book, I think the owners were very concerned. <laughs> and what I told everybody is, you know, I, this is fiction. And if I wrote what really happened at the beach club, we would all be extremely scandalized, mm -hmm. but I didn't like, I made it a novel that had a narrative arc. And as you know, <laughs> like you can't really write the truth because it doesn't make narrative sense. Um, but I think everyone thought, oh, it's about the beach club. And, and then a couple of books later, I wrote the blue bistro, which was based at the restaurant that's right next to the beach club, the galley. And I think everybody thought, oh, this is going to be the real story of the galley. And it's just not. Um, and then as I got more and more popular, people are like, can I be in your book? Can I be in your book? Can you please put me in your book? That's and, great. um, so it's, you know, and I have to pick and choose because honestly, like, I want the, them to read, you know, like seamless, natural narratives. I don't want any clunky pieces because I had to put like a real person in there. So I feel zero. I do not worry about it at all. And no one has ever come up to me and said, you put me in my book and I was, you know, the bad character. They don't recognize themselves. They're they never see themselves. <laughs> no way. That's good. <laughs> That's what one of my friends said. I remember writing a book and being like, is this like a little bit too close to, you know, somebody that we know? And she was like, oh no, the bad characters never recognize themselves. They think it's them. Oh no, that, of course not. Oh, it can never be think, me. I have people in my little town think that I wrote about them. And I finally said, you know, you're not really that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Hi, Mary Alice, do you have a question for Alan? Oh, Ellen, um, I sometimes put chapter headings and they're informative, but what you did in 28 Summers was I pay attention to chapter headings and you did a great job. You had, uh, you first of all, it rooted us in the chapter so beautifully, but it was the pop culture. You had the music, the food, the news headlines, even the beginning, you talked about what was going on at this minute. I thought it was fabulous and very, very well done. So kudos to you. But the question I have is, did you know when you constructed the novel that you were going to do the chapter headings to do that? Was that designed? Or while you were writing it, did you have that aha moment? Oh, this is what the book needs. Well, um, in the movie, what they do is they have a video montage. So bet between the years that switch, they'll do like, a, they have like a video montage of Kennedy and you know what I mean? And people oh. getting off, you know, Jack getting off the plane. And so that's how they delineated the years so that you knew what era we were oh, going into with George Moore's movie. And I thought to myself, 
I can do that on the page, right? And I knew I was starting in 2020 and I knew I wanted to make it, it, it when I wrote the very first first one, I thought the only thing we were going to be talking about this year was the election. It did not occur to me that we would have anything. And I actually thought to myself, I hope nothing else happens in 2020 that I have to put in here because it's yeah. <laughs> Oops. So <laughs> the original the original only mentioned the election and then things started to happen and it was due, uh, the final, final copy edits were due at the end of March. And I called my copy editor and I said, listen, I have to put COVID in there and, and Kobe Bryant and other things that, and like yeah. social distancing and TikTok and like things that are so, I'm like, I have to. Yeah. So she went back in. And then in fact, in June, like early June, she added George Floyd in the electronic version. Oh my God. She added George Floyd. Wow. Because in the electronic version, she can do it immediately. And so she added all of this, all of the Black Lives Matter stuff that happened in June before the book came out. So people who read it electronically had that added. But as I was, I I thought it was so, it it started out as just like a, I don't know, like a funny idea. And then it became very important with each year to be like, okay, I want the reader to remember what 1998 looked like right. and what 2005 looked like, you know, and what, of course, what 2001 looked like. Yeah. And so I had those, you know, and I went back and I added and I took things out and I'm like, what was like, what was my favorite show? And, and it went that way. I bet it was fun to do too. It was so fun. It was my yeah. favorite. <laughs> awesome. Actual writing required. It was, it was fun to do. <laughs> no, that, I, I thought that was so interesting. And it was kind of embarrassing because I realized like the, there were a couple of years that I was like, I don't remember any of that. And I realized I was in college and we always used to be like, we're in the bubble, we're in the bubble. And I was like, God, we really were in the bubble. Cause I like remembered the pop culture stuff, but like not the other stuff, but in like, you know, 95, I remember that perfectly. It was very weird. Um, but I loved that. It was like a little walk down memory lane. Um, all right, Kristen, you have a great question. Do you want to ask yeah, it? Thanks. Yeah, Ellen, um, I think a lot of your fans know that in 2014, you were diagnosed with breast cancer and that almost immediately you decided to fight that battle very publicly and become an advocate for cancer research. I also know that you've inspired countless readers because of your openness. And in fact, one of our members named Michelle Zax Miller posted earlier this week on our Friends in Fiction page about the impact you had on her best friend, Jane, who was fighting breast cancer and who you agreed to meet when she was visiting Nantucket in September of 2018. So Jane died less than a year later and Michelle says she'll always be grateful to you for helping her create such a special moment for her dearest friend, which I thought was so touching and Mm -hmm. so indicative of what you mean to your readers and the impact you've been able to have. So my question for you is actually twofold. Um, One, what made you decide to take your battle public? And two, now that you're several several years down the road from it, how do you think that whole experience has shaped you and changed you as a writer and as a person? Wow. Uh, <laughs> big question. So the reason why I decided to take it public was primarily timing and context. So I had a book coming out in June, on June 10th of 2014 called The Matchmaker. And I had done, in The Matchmaker, and this is a big spoiler, my main character gets cancer and dies at the end. Um, and I, but to, to write this, I had done enormous amount of cancer research, like more than normal. Like I'd met with oncologists and I'd, I'd started getting involved with the American Cancer 
And I was going to, I was growing my hair. I was going to donate my hair. And I was like, really, really like putting myself in the position of this character, um, my character, Daphne from the matchmaker. And then I, long story, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It got very serious, very quickly. I thought I just had one lump. Turns out I had five and I needed a double mastectomy immediately. And the double mastectomy. So I said, can I have it in August? Because I have a book coming out in June. And she's like, you like, basically like you need to have it next week. So, uh, the book came out on June 10th. I had the double mastectomy on June 13th. I had to cancel every book event. Well, for two weeks, I, for for the two weeks after my surgery, I canceled every book event. And, and then two weeks after my, my surgery, I went to Chicago and I did back-to-back events in Chicago, which was again, something that I look back on now. And I'm like, that was so reckless, but I really promised myself that I would go out and do events two weeks later because I was not going to be too sick to go. I just said to myself, I'm going to go. Um, and because it was happening while I was sort of in the midst of launching this book, I felt like I had to tell people what was happening. Otherwise I felt like it would seem very strange booksellers to the reader. Um, and it just felt like the right decision. So the night before my surgery, I flew to New York and I went on CBS this morning with Gail King and basically like told everyone that I have breast cancer. The thing is, and it would be true of all of us, our demographic reader is the demographic of breast cancer. It just is. And so there was an enormous overlap and I found so much support from the readers, just an amazing amount of people who had been through it and who wrote and who sent letters and who knitted scarves and who sent Christmas ornaments and who sent pocket gardens and who sent books. And the amount of stuff that I received was just mind blowing and just notes and, and love. And when I was in Chicago, two weeks after my surgery, I had the drains and this is just like too awful to even talk about. And I was on drugs and I I got up and I had like a lunch at the cook County library in front of a hundred people with brown bag lunches. And there were two women sitting in the front and one had no hair and one had like very, very short hair, like just growing in. And when they came through the line to get their book signed, they said, we've both had double mastectomies. We've been through collectively 36 rounds of chemo and 64 rounds of radiation. And we came to your book signing to tell you that you're going to be fine. That is powerful. And And they did that. I thought to myself, okay, this is what we do then. Once we make it through, we go and we help everybody else. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow, That's incredible. incredible. Do do you think it changed you much as a, as a writer? Did it affect you as a writer going forward? I mean, I think it changed me as a person. So I presume it changed me also as a writer, but it, it changed me as a person because now, like I mentioned, uh, a little while ago, like my son told my Jeep, nothing really bothers me. Like I, I, I feel like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm always like, everything is triaged. It's like, is it life or death? Like, or is your being being threatened or, and I'm very, very calm about the stuff that used to completely freak me out. And now I'm just like, okay, no big deal. Um, and I, I also like you gain perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's what I really say. And I think that there might be like, a little bit more depth to the writing, but that also comes with age. You know? So it, who's to say? 
That's wow. amazing. I think that it has to, I mean, every event changes you somehow. Something so profound would have to, to like you said, add depth. Yeah, completely. Wow, that's an amazing, amazing story. Thank you for um, sharing with us. Um, so I am absolutely wowed by your schedule in general, but your writing schedule, you know, most of us here write a book a year, which um, sometimes can feel like a lot and you're writing two. So can you tell us a little bit about just kind of like the brass tacks of your day? Like what does your day look like and how do you stay inspired to produce this fresh, amazing content year after year? So I, you know, I start every day with my exercising, which is annoying to everyone who has to live with me. So I do my jogging first, and then I get on my Peloton bike, and then I go to my bar class. And I was doing virtual bar classes until just recently. So it's it's about three hours of exercising. And it, it let me say what it is. First of all, it's a mind it's a mind thing, but it's and it's a bad habit. But it's also a discipline, so that I know that it's so difficult to get up and exercise for three hours but it's not as difficult as writing. So it is a discipline that sets up my day and I do it regardless. And that is how I feel about my writing. I do my writing regardless. So then in a perfect world around 11, I'll head out to my pool in the summer or I sit in my bed in the winter and I write longhand in notebooks and write the novel. And then I type it into the computer and I print out printed pages and then I edit, I edit the printed pages and then I put those changes in the computer and I do this like 50 million times until the book is done. Summer books start, I start May 1st um, and I turn them in November 1st. And then I take six weeks in Boston in an apartment that I rent in, in Beacon Hill by myself. It is like a little tiny garret, like Emily Dickinson studio that I light by candles and I do my revisions. Revisions take six weeks. Um, Christmas and then on January 1st I start with the winter book in the winter in March and April I go to the Caribbean for five weeks by myself and I I have like a five week like power writing session and that book gets turned in at the end of April and then May 1st I start the summer book oh wow and you sustain that do you anticipate sustaining that or do you anticipate slowing down no, no. Dream was to retire with the book, um, my summer book in 21. And I, I really I told my agent, I'm like, I'm not, please not don't. signing any more contracts, but uh, I, what I, what I am doing is I'm going back to just summer books. Okay. So I signed a three book deal, three book deal with little Brown and I, and then they promised me that in 2024, they will help me roll out my retirement. They'll put a nine in the New York times. <laughs> well, and I can go. But, uh, so that gives the public, for those of you who are watching at home, that gives us five five books left from EH, and then and then I am going to retire. Very cool you, that you know. Can that. you do that? I mean, like, well, do you think you can do that? Like, do you think you can just turn it off? Yes. <laughs> it's hard. You guys know it's hard. It's so hard. No, it's totally hard, but I also can't imagine. I feel like sometimes you're in like the depths of like, I can't work this out or whatever. And then you have this other idea. Like, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, but I also have only written seven books. So when I've written 25, I might feel very differently. <laughs> so Ellen, can we take bets? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to retire in 2024 
And I just, you know, there are so many things I can't do. Um, yeah. and I can't think of any of them right now, but I just don't have time. Okay. I had, I went to lunch today at the galley, which is this restaurant and it, and I was calling my sister to complain. I'm like, I have to go to lunch at the galley. You guys, the galley is the most beautiful beachfront, the most glamorous. And I was so angry that I had to go because I need to work <laughs> and I want to, I want to be able to go to the galley and not yeah. worry that I'm missing work. And or have that feeling freaking out. And, yeah. And yeah. that feeling like, oh my God, I can't really relax. I can't, I can never relax. I'm just, I mean, I am, um, I'm a con- in a constant state of anxiety and I'm constantly thinking about the characters and constantly like typing things in my phone that I want to put in the books. And it's, it's, you know, writing fiction is so difficult. And, and all, all, I, consuming. all yeah. consuming. Yeah. I will be very happy to retire and just think about read. I'd love to become a book influencer. I would love to do what you guys are doing. Um, you know, I love Reese Witherspoon and, and whatever, but they're not writers and the book influencers should be writers. That is my opinion. Oh, you know, I that's know. really cool that because you could have idea. You're opening a window to something completely different. Mm-hmm. If you're not leaving, you're just doing something different. Ellen's book club. Although I can see it now, you're going to be like working nine hours a day on Ellen's book club. <laughs> going to lunch. You'll be because going that's to my lunch. personality. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, well, just a reminder to everyone that the Brewster Bookshop is our bookstore of the week. They're offering a discount on not only all our new releases, but also our backlist. So check them out via the link on our Friends in Fiction Facebook page. So the five of us have had a chance to ask Ellen some questions, and now we'd love to let you do the same. So we've chosen a couple from the questions that were already on our Facebook page. And while we're talking, if you have something that you'd like to ask, just post it below the video, and we'll try to get to it and choose a few more. So um, Mary Kay, do you want to start with our first reader question? Yeah, Cindy Kovic has a very provocative question. Ellen, she (laughs) wants to know if you would be happy in a same-time next-year relationship. (laughs) Great question. I loved that question. I was like, that's got to be answered. That's like 100%. Gail King asked me that when I went on the news. And I'm I'm on the national news. A, I'm filming it from this very seat in my home. uh, (laughs) And I was like, something like that. Okay. Um, So what I learned during the writing of this book, and I am really, I'm not kidding. You can't actually conduct this kind of affair it's it's logistically for a busy person with children <laughs> it's literally impossible mm-hmm. so when you read the book like all of these pitfalls come up and it's just logistically impossible to do something the same weekend 28 years in a row you guys would be like no it's not but it it, it kind of is no, totally so, no way never no. yeah no way yeah and um I don't know. Like I'm divorced. I have a boyfriend and he lives, we're long distance. Some of you have met him and almost all of you, except for you, Kristen, I think almost all of you have met him. So we're long distance anyway. So that means I do not require a same time next year. That's the answer. I didn't know you were long distance. Ah. Yeah. It's in Pennsylvania. And um, you maintain. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're having your sort of thing. Yeah, I am. <laughs> not really fresh anyway. I mean, we've been doing it for a while, seven years, and it's it feels really fresh. 
it's, it's your same time next week relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's great. I love it. All right, that's Mary Alice, can okay. you um, ask a reader question? I do. Please? I have one from Sue Johnson Bishop, and she says, Welcome, Ellen. I just bought 28 Summers and can't wait to read it. I loved the movie same time next year, so I know I'll love it. I saw an interview where you mentioned going to Boston and working by Candlelight, which you just mentioned, and I didn't understand if you do that with all the books you write or you were just talking about one book you wrote and edited there. Thank you. So I do it every year and I don't have them with me, but I have very special candlesticks by an artist named Ted Muling that I like. And these are like my heirloom candles. And yes. And um, they burn. I have nine and I like them. And it's, you know, it's Boston in the fall. So it gets dark at two 30 in the afternoon. So, and like a lot of times it's like raining or chilly. So, you know, my apartment, my teeny tiny little studio apartment is very romantic and I like the candles and this is like, and I have my classical music and there is nobody, like I speak to no one all day long, except for on the, like I talk to my kids and my boyfriend on the phone, but it's very romantic. And this goes on for six weeks and it's, it's a very productive time, but like the aesthetics of it are important to me. So I do, I always like the candles. That's cool. And those candles would be special for life for your time to write. Cool. I love that. All right, Patty, do you mind pulling a couple of live questions for us? Here we go. I love this one because I was wondering this myself when you were holding up your notebooks. A woman named Shelly Marsh asked, I want to know how many yellow legal pads Ellen fills when she's writing a book. Ooh, good uh, one. I love that. Say, 20 between 15 and 20. Okay. Wow. They're 50 pages each. Or is it only 12 to 12? So you figure the books are 400 pages, right? It probably means six, maybe 12, but it's a bunch. And people ask, okay. do I keep them? And the answer is no, I do not keep them. You don't keep them? What do you do with them? I throw them away. It's just oh. too much. It's too much clutter. That and should I, be archived. I, That's what I was keep thinking. Saying, uh, maybe last, last book, maybe I'll keep, I'll keep it and I'll auction cool. it off for a good cause. Do you but have special I'm, ones? Do you have special requirements? Like my composition books, I have to have the ones with the hard cardboard backing, which are hard to find. They are hard to find. No, I use, I use like these universal. Yeah. I sometimes get yellow but I've switched to white and I've never, I'm going to like literally jinx myself. I have never lost one. I'm knocking on some wood here. I've never <laughs> lost one. So do oh. you, do you type in when you're done or do you type in after every notebook you fill or after every chapter you write? When do you actually I type it? You know, normally I actually type, um, in the more in the early morning. So I get up at five 30 and between five 30 and seven, I have my tea and I type. Um, I also occasionally type at night. If I'm not busy, I'll have my dinner and I'll type. Um, and like, if it's bad weather, like if we had a rainy day, like I might, I might spend the entire day typing. Um, but normally like, like in St. John, like every 50 pages, like I'll, I'll stop composing and I'll type. Okay. 
And does it, so, are you, does the story start to shift as you're typing? Like, does it, I do, you write it, you pour it out and then it shifts while you're typing? I do sometimes edit when I, when I put it. Yeah. Yeah. That's my question. Okay. Okay. Linda Zaret said, is it more difficult to create an original story or taking a story and making it original? I'm not really sure. I know, I know what she means. So like I've done two books now that have been based on movies. So the identicals oh, okay. was sort of based on the parent trap. And this book was sort of based on the same time next year. And the answer is it's it's the same because even though this book is based on the same time next year, it's its own, you know, that's where I borrowed slash stole the premise, but it's its own thing. And you can't stick too closely to the premise of the movie or your, your book will be ruined. That is true. I mean, you know what I mean? So like the is kind of based on the parent trap. It's the same idea where one kid goes with the father and one goes with the mother, but it's, it has its own, you know, right. life. So I would say it's the same. Um, it's because I also write series. So I do, I did the Christmas series, four books, and I did a, I'm doing a three book, Caribbean series, those are much easier to write. That's why they only take four months. The first one is is the hardest because you got to get everybody set up. And then the second and third are easiest. The second's really easy because it doesn't have any more an end. You're right in the middle. And then the third book, you know, you want to wrap it all up, but um, much easier to write a series. Easy being a very relative term because you're, yeah. still- yeah. <laughs> you're still writing a book. You know the characters. Yeah. yeah. You know the people. Write the series. Um, so Ellen, you might have sort of already done this. And if you have, we can sort of skip a little bit. Um, but one of, one of my favorite parts, I think one of all of our favorite parts of the show is asking our guests for a writing tip. So we started it to inspire aspiring and new writers, but I think that we have all sort of agreed that we tend to learn something new every week when we get a writing tip. So do you have a tip that you would like to share with our audience tonight? of tips. The first tip, I mean, is very pragmatic, which is you must stay off your phone. And this is not something when I started writing in the year 2000, right? I didn't even have a phone until my daughter was born in 2005. You must, is everyone looking at me? You must stay off your phone. A lot of times, and, and all of you agree with me, you have to look something up. And looking something up is different than it was in 2000 as well. Go onto the internet. Go onto the internet to look up something. I think today, I can't remember what I had to look up from the novel I'm reading, but I had to look up something. And then you get sucked into God only knows what, and then you're gone for half an hour. And time you're never getting back. So my number one is is to stay off your phone. The second one, there is something in every book that I call the nebulous middle. So I'm not a plotter. (laughs) <laughs> by which I mean I don't plot my books out. And so everybody starts strong, right? You know, you've got your characters, you're defining them like by their sassiness or whatever. And then you get to chapter two and things start happening. And then you get to the middle and you're like, oh my goodness, I know where I want to end. I know where I'm coming from, but like what happens in the middle? And that, and I, I would be shocked if you all did not agree with me, is where Literally. it gets unsettling. Yep. You're like, what next? And so... I always go back to the beginning of the novel and read and hope that it carries me like a wave. But 
My number one tip is to dramatize. And this was what I learned when I was at the University of Iowa. You do a scene, a scene that is set with dialogue, something's happening, the more drama, the better, but you have to dramatize. And a lot of new writers feel like they want to explain and they want to give backstory and they, but you have to have scenes. Present time scenes happening right now so that the reader can be engaged and move on. And so you're not just talking about dialogue. You're talking about action, right? Action. Scenes. Scenes where something happens. I'm reading a book right now, and I won't say it because I'm not loving it, but it's a lot of expository sort of remembering backstory, and I am struggling to get through it because I like something where there is narrative drive, something's at stake, there are scenes where you're watching the characters interact with other characters or do things and, and you're moving along. And, and that is very, very important when you're writing. Good tip. Great tip. I think that was a tip like meant for me because I have like written to here and then I've written the end and I've got like this part and I'm like, Hmm. What is missing right here? Something, something else. So thank you. That was a very good tip. I'm going to use that, <laughs> that in was the morning. Christy. <laughs> that was for me. So thanks, guys. Thanks. Um, so I apologize to everyone in advance for your ever-growing TBR piles, but we can't keep a good book a secret. Does anyone have a book that they want to recommend that has stolen their heart lately? I won't put you on the spot, but if you have one, anybody. Oh, Ellen, good. Yes. So a book that came out on Tuesday is called Luster. And I have recommended it now like four or five times on my Instagram. Uh, The author's name is Raven Leilani. It's L-E-I-L-A-N-I. I need to say this book has a lot of sex in it. The premise is a young, black, urban woman in her 20s starts an online sexual relationship with an older dude who lives in the suburbs who's in an open marriage okay and as soon as i read that i'm like i must read this book this book it starts there it becomes so unbelievably fabulous i i I don't want to say anything else because i don't want to ruin it for you but it starts there but it becomes like it i call it like the catcher in the rye if the catcher in the rye was written by a young black woman it is mind-blowingly good, beautifully written, deep and like profound and, and, but immediate. And it's the kind of thing where you're turning the pages and she gets involved with his family. I don't want to say anything else. It is so unbelievably great. She's young. She is going to be a superstar and I'm going to take complete responsibility for telling you all about her for the first time. Um, <laughs> now by, by she, is out it was out Tuesday it's amazing luster amazing no you've sold me yeah (laughs) anybody else have one they would recommend you know I'll just take a second to remind everyone Fiona Davis who we had on last week um her her Lions of Fifth Avenue came out this week and it uh wound up Good Morning America's book club pick so I mean you guys probably already heard that we've been celebrating it on our page we love Fiona we don't want to say it's that we had anything to do with it. I mean, clearly they take their cues from us, (laughs) but we're really, I mean, it it was a book. I think all of us who read it really, really, really enjoyed. And um, I'm just happy that 
Good Morning America is celebrating her too. Yeah. <laughs> so we woke up to that. Well. We had a we had a big group group celebration about that. Yeah. yeah. That she's, that's she's really good exciting. people. That's yeah. It's really exciting. I mean, just a moment to remind you to read 28 <laughs> Summers. I really, I've been like to everyone I everyone I've seen because it's only taken me like I mean at three days I've been reading it like all night. And to everyone I've seen in the past, every event I've done, I'm like, you have to read it. Have you read it? It's so good. It's so good. I'm sure everyone's already read it, but just in case you haven't, I've been a little slow on our reading this summer. All right. So we have some really exciting things happening at Friends in Fiction that we want to tell you about before we sign off. Um, and so stay tuned till the end so you can hear more about our fall schedule. Um, but Kristen, did you want to tell us something? Yes, one of us has some very exciting news. So next week, right here, we will be revealing Patty's new cover for her March 2021 novel, Surviving Savannah. Patty, do you want to tell us the scoop and how we can see your cover, how we can be the first to see your cover? Absolutely. I'm so excited. I mean, you you all know, Ellen, you know, you write the book and it's it, it's very private for a very long time. And the first time it's public isn't when you talk about the title or you release it. The first time it feels real is when you get the cover. And then, then you get another cover and then you wiggle it around and then you talk about it and then you get the cover and then you can't wait to show everyone. So um, next week, we're going to reveal it here. But if you want to be part of this still very super secret cover reveal next week, you can sign up if you go on our friends and Facebook page or even any of my social media, my Instagram or Facebook. You can be the first to see the cover image and find out. They'll give you a bunch of behind the scenes info and a Q&A. And then you have to promise to post it on Wednesday the third, on Wednesday the 12th next week. And so you can go sign up and then be one of the first to see it and then post it with us on the 12th. So just, you can go to Friends and Fiction Facebook page or any of my social media and we'll get that rolling. And if you sign up to be a part of it, you will be entered to win one of the very first advanced copies, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So we're giving away five advanced reader copies. So if you sign up to be part of the reveal, you can get an advanced reader copy. Um, are, are Friends and Fiction authors eligible? Because I'm just saying, I would really like to. I'm signing up. <laughs> I'll talk to my publisher. I'll see if maybe I can make I a special or something. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> I am so excited for this book. All right, Mary Kay, do you have something you want to share with us? Yes. Keep your eye out for our new newsletter. Uh, the first one rolled out today. If you signed up for our mailing list, you got the newsletter and you found some fun uh, original content from Ellen. And uh, we want to we wanted to have new ways to keep in touch with you and send you some bonus content that you're not getting um, Wednesday nights with us. So hang on and um, sign up and um, you'll get it. You'll find out what we're all doing, what we're thinking. Um, you'll find out about Christie's camp week. <laughs> it's exciting, you guys. I mean, you can see a picture of me doing the zip line. So that's, so that's all I'm going to say. That's worth a sign up right there for sure. Right. I, I mean, and I, I think the link to sign up is still under announcements, right? On the friends and fiction yeah. page. Okay. Yeah. Or you, or you also can go on our website. Yeah. yeah. Well, I yep. think we should all sign up because I know someday Mary Kay Andrews is going to give us a recipe from her cookbook. Yeah. And yes. I'm waiting. So Mary Alice is going to share with us a little about her schedule, but I think Ellen has to run. I think she's got something else that she's. Normally I would be going up to bed, but it's summer. It's August. I have a dinner party. I cannot even believe I'm saying those words, but I have a dinner party that starts at eight. So, so 
We'll have so, fun coming. Huge thank, so thank you. Thank you, Ellen. Thank you for thank coming, you. Ellen. Loved having you. Beautiful thing here. And I am so, so grateful to be a part of it. You guys are amazing. Thank you so How much. Are you? Congratulations. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ellen. Have a good night. All right. Now, Mary Alice, would you, oh. would you like to tell us, it feels weird to like kick her yeah. off and then like not I know, and then chat, continue. But we still have a couple <laughs> more announcements to make. So I just want to keep going. Uh, so we Alice, do. Would you tell us? And, I mean, as wonderful as Ellen as a, as a guest was tonight, we have an exciting fall okay. schedule. So let me tell you who's coming. Next week, August 5th, I'm so fortunate I get to host Karen Slaughter. So that's going to be a big night. Then on August 19th, we're all excited to welcome a special dear friend, the inimitable Christina McMorris, who was originally going to be one of the fab. Yes! So it's about time we got her to join. We would have been the spectacular six. <laughs> I was going to say that the sexy six. No, no. Oh, oh yeah. Better. Oh, yeah. There you go. So much so we're looking forward to having Christine. <laughs> and there's a Just Us program, which we always enjoy doing on August 21st because we get to catch up. And now we go into September for the first two weeks. We kick it off with Etoff Room on September 2nd. And then Patty and I have a very close friend, Sydney Pike, and Patty's hosting her on the 9th. So we will put the schedule up on our Facebook group page, as well as our website, www.friendsandfiction.com. Well, this has been such an incredible show tonight. I loved having Ellen. I thought she was just an incredible guest. If she were still here, I'd say thank you, Ellen, for joining us. But yeah. um, we are, thank you, Ellen, for joining us. If you watch this back later, we were just so happy to have you. I feel like we could have talked to her all night. Yeah. Um, but reader friends, thank you as always for being here with us. We are here because of you. We love you all. And don't forget to support this week's independent bookstore, The Brewster Bookshop, who's offering a discount on all of our books, new release and backlist. So we'll see you next week when the incredible Karen Slaughter joins us. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks a lot. Well, that was great. This was fun. It was a fun night. It was a great show. And she's a, a really dynamic woman. I think we all really had a good time. I'm exhausted. I am listening to our exercise program yeah I, I feel i feel bad about my body we we can't be the sexy six i i, I take back what i said <laughs> i'm the I only can... one who did not contribute my exercise routine which is basically sitting up that is my <laughs> oh, I love thank you for saying the that best text of all time sitting up it's changed. difficult I, I sit up, I lay back down. So I think that burns a lot of calories. <laughs> you have to need your core to do that. It's yeah, you do. Because you're doing crunches, right? You're, yeah. you're doing crunches. I know. You use your core to do Crunching that. Crunching Coke cans because I don't The best coffee. thing ever said on our text chain was, I'm taking a break to forage for carbs. I was like, yes, me too. That's it. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Maybe some, somebody threatened to publish our... Um, that was me. <laughs> Patty. But she said, but she said posthumously. Don't that worried. Oh my god! No, but it was just this. It was this. For our listeners, we have a, a, you know, friends of fiction. The five of us have a string of texts, and Kathy sometimes writes stuff, and I'm like, I'm just going to 
take yeah. excerpts of our string <laughs> and, and publish them. But Kathy said I can't do it till posthumously. You but. know what? I think we just need to put her one-liners on t-shirts and sell them or something, right? Uh, so like, <laughs> yeah, they would be R-rated. You would have to wear them in an R-rated environment, I'm afraid. But just foraging for carps when you wouldn't have to. We can use that one. Yeah. Honestly, I think we should just have a collection of all your Facebook pals, your guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so many more than me. I'm I know. I got two new ones this morning and they're there is one, um, he has to be a catalog model. I bet you I've had 30 faux uh, Instagram bows use that guy's <laughs> photo as their Instagram profile. And today, this very um, innovative creeper used every picture he could ever find of this guy. So sometimes the guy is dressed in surgical scrubs and sometimes <laughs> he's like a, I don't know, a ship's captain. This guy used to all- That is so, where do people find the time? I don't, it's amazing. Well, no, this is the best thing. And I don't know if this has been happening to y'all, but mine has moved from just like creepy, like Instagram followers and friend requests into people DMing me to tell me that they would like to offer me $600 a week oh, yes. to yes. be there, um, that they're going to be my sugar daddy, which I'm like, it's so good that you're spending your COVID money so well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Real? Is this for real? Yes. yes. I get yes. $600 will not keep you in boob. I'm just saying. It's not <laughs> going to. I know. Not even for a day. Not even for a day. Excuse me. My husband, he was like, <laughs> That's not going to work, but good luck. <laughs> That's hilarious. I, I have a price, but it's not $600, right? <laughs> hilarious. There's not a, yeah. Really creepy. Well, that was awesome, you guys. Every, every week I think, oh, it's almost Wednesday, and then I get kind of geared up. And then when it's done, I'm always like, this just, it sets me off for the rest of the week in such a good way. You know, I have to say that every single author who's come on, has inspired me in one way or another. Yeah. And the um, I have to say, for tonight, it was Ellen's incredible discipline. Mm-hmm. Her yeah. schedule is like nothing I've ever heard. No, no, but she is just disciplined to the moment. And to go away for a few weeks to just write like that. Um, I know. I'm going to tell my husband I'm going to St. John's for um, <laughs> five weeks this winter. Yeah, um, maybe my, we should... I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> All we would do is drink wine and um, gossip. That's but we would be brainstorming. It would be, you know, the real work would be getting We done. might not yeah. write a word, but we'd come out <laughs> home with like 20 ideas apiece. That and is girls, we have, we have talked about doing a retreat. And I think of one yeah. week. And I think yeah. should, once we can get past this COVID. Yeah, we should do it. We really should. Do it. Yeah, we totally do. Well, good night, everybody. Good night, you guys. guys. I'll see you all all. quarter till seven. Yes, ma'am. Quarter to seven. I'm going to start working on the soggy middle tomorrow. The soggy middle, exactly. (laughs) I'm on the elastic ending right now. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. 
Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.